Osiris. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Always Almost There, Day After Show Live. We are here today to talk about a momentous occasion in Goose history. Yes, that's right. Goose is an amphitheater band. Last night, they made their debut at Saratoga Performing Arts Center. Legendary SPAC, you know, hallowed in the music world, in the jam band world, what have you. Biggest headlining gig that they have ever played. So much happened, uh, and we have some great guests here to talk about it today unfortunately um neil is still on his way back home uh and was unable to join us but we've got uh colin frederickson and mike rogie who were both at the show last night and special guest brian brinkman uh with the couch report how's it going everybody it's going well thank you for having us i'm stoked to talk with you guys and hear what it was like inside of the shed amazing stuff mm-hmm. mike colin what about you guys I'm doing great, buddy. Uh, in the van, heading back to California. Um, had a good four-week run here, and decided the best way to end my time back in my hometown and my home range of upstate New York was to see our friends from Connecticut. Absolutely crush a venue that I've been going to since I was about six years old. So it was pretty awesome. It's perfect, Colin. How are you doing? Can we hear you? Colin, Colin has a, a bit of a spotty service out there uh, in upstate New York. So hopefully it pulls through and we can talk about it. But let's get into pre-show vibe a little bit. You know, I, I'm excited. This is I, I was at the show as well last night. Uh, it was just absolutely incredible. You know, getting to SPAC, being like, you know, holy shit, Goose is playing this venue, you know, where I was just at a few weeks ago for Dead & Co. Where there were so many, so many people. And it was like, you know, insane. But Everyone was just so excited pre-show yesterday. You know, I talked about it a little bit uh, in my my written review of the show that I posted this morning. But a lot of the big goose shows over the past year, year and a half or show or, or so, have felt like there's a lot of people seeing their first goose show. Um, and last night did not feel like that. It felt like it was 
12,000 people or so. That was the, the, the number that was being thrown around. 12,000 people or so that were that knew the band, that were ready, like, just for an incredible night of music and to celebrate how far Goose has come. Uh, but, Colin, how are you feeling before the show last night? Yeah, we got up this fact pretty early, parked in, like, one of the side lots, and then uh, we were able to catch soundcheck just, like, chilling in the woods, uh, which, mm-hmm. is, which is awesome. Uh, and just, like, the venue is so beautiful. I've seen a ton of shows there. So it was really cool to kind of be able to see goose there and get the whole atmosphere, um, of like the state park, the trees, and just be able to get in there early and catch soundcheck as well. Yeah. Soundcheck was cool. Heard a little bit from the parking lot. This old C factory fiction, like immediately got very excited uh, about both of those. Mike, how were you feeling pre-show yesterday? I was feeling great. Uh, spent the morning on, Lake George with some friends and family got down to the venue around like two o'clock. Um, ran into my 70 plus year old father-in-law who was at his like 30th goose show. I think nice. Um, had, it was fun, you know, like mountain gazette, at least the current iteration of the magazine that we run, um, our roots are here. You know, our art director, John Coleman, was there. You got to meet him last night. And mm-hmm. it was very cool to run into um, in the parking lot. Just like, it's crazy, man. Like, cause I, because I grew up here and like, SPAC was such a big part of my life. Um, ran to like teachers, friends from elementary school, like friends from college, uh, Goose fans, like people that I met at the Warfield out in San Francisco, people that I know from Lake Tahoe, like, I definitely agree with you, Ryan. It really felt like these were a lot of people who have been fans of this band for for quite some time. And um, it was strange to be in a crowd that big and recognize so many people. Yeah. That part was very, very cool and interesting. I don't know that I've ever had that experience at SPAC before. Awesome. Well, Brian, you were on the couch last night, of course. You're out there in beautiful Colorado how are you feeling before the show tomorrow? And, you know, what, what was what was the vibe like on the couch? The vibe is always good. We had the television set up in the back patio and uh, oh, we're yeah. chilling here enjoying a summer night. Um, I mean, my thoughts were really from like a historical context standpoint. I was thinking a lot about there's it's 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 difficult not to make the comparisons to where Goose is at right now to where Fish was at in the mid early 90s. I think about one of my first Fish tapes was um, 626.95 from SPAC, which was this really big show for the band. They were on their summer 95 tour. They were selling out amphitheaters. Um, they'd been making these like big headways over the previous two years in terms of leveling up venues. And they play this show that has this really defining musical segment in the second set that really showcases where they were at at that point in time. And for me, you know, as a early Fish fan getting my first tapes, it was like anytime I saw SPAC anywhere, you know, in right. terms of like it being notated on a set list when they returned there nine years later for those uh, Father's Day shows in 2004, excellent shows from that year. SPAC carried a little bit extra um, panache. It, you know, it had a, there was a vibe to just seeing that a show was happening there. I finally went there in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, I returned in 2014, I believe, and saw those two runs. And it's just like everyone said on the call, it's a, it's a beautiful venue. The lot has a really cool vibe because you're in the woods. Um, there's a lot of historic mystique to being there. 
And, you know, so walking into the venue, it also sounds beautiful, especially if you're inside of the pavilion. It's one of the best sounding rooms I've ever been in. Mm -hmm. The lawn has its challenges, but can be really fun (laughs) depending on where you're sitting. Yeah, Um, I'm going to, I'm going to respectfully disagree with the lawn statement because I will say, so, um, SPAC has totally changed. They've done a renovation Mm. the last few years. So the lawn has, I agree with you. You used to just be kind of get it. It was like listening to a band that was playing in a closed garage. Yes. Um, but they've done some renovations. Um, they've actually, if you can remember, Brian, when you, when you get to the top of that arcing point, the apex flattens out. There's some vendors there. That lawn now has speakers as well. And oh wow, that, that's actually become like more of a family zone. I actually saw a lot of ki- more kids than I've ever seen at a goose show ever last night. Like yeah. saying like hundreds maybe and what's cool is they are like super far away so yeah that lawn specter was really cool and i i spoke to a couple friends that were on the lawn last night thinking like wow man like you love this band like almost more than i do and like they were like dude they wanted the vibe they wanted that as you said that 90s fish vibe when they first saw fish there Mm -hmm. um you know from the historical standpoint uh I think I was, I was looking up some stats. So the biggest show that's ever been there is Grateful Dead in 85, year I was born, 40,000 plus. Dave Matthews Band has sold out the venue uh, the most amount of times, which is 11 times. Fish has the record for most shows. They played 20 times there. And then I have a list. Of, I'm not going to read it, but basically there is a list. Any, <laughs> any, any popular music, uh, musical act, we're talking like from New York City Ballet, to like John Mellencamp and Hootie and the Bluefish and Britney Spears and Jay-Z. Like, we are not just talking about a little niche of like some jam bands that have played in. Yeah, like, totally. This is a big venue. Almost every genre of music. And I find that to be like, that was a special part, man. Like Whitney Houston recorded two music videos on stage at SPAC. One of them was I yeah. want to dance with somebody. That's like, so cool. Like, it is sick. I'm so proud of these guys for selling out the cap and Radio City and Red Rocks <laughs> and Hollywood Bowl. But this was the biggest show they've ever done. And I think for upstate New Yorkers, like it's the point of pride that we got to welcome. Uh, the comment that a friend made to me last night is guys from Goose might be the first kids from the Northeast to see shows at SPAC and then go on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a great like, point. Me, like, I don't think Mellencamp... Ever, that's a great point, uh, Mike, about that. And, you know, Peter Peter mentioned about that and he had posted uh, an Instagram earlier in the day, you know, kind of shouting out, like, you know, seeing fish, you know, at SPAC a decade ago. And, you know, it, it was really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, as I mentioned, just felt like a real community moment last night coming in. Um, my parents and I were like one section back from the pit, Trevor side. Uh, so amazing sight line of the stage, great sound. And just a great vantage point also to just look around and take in like, like, holy shit, Goose is playing at a venue of this size and it's full. Like going in, I was not sure how many people were going to be on the lawn. You know, I, I knew the pavilion was sold. I knew that was going to be full, but I was blown away by how many people were on the lawn as well. Like that's like, I mean, seeing Goose in, in that venue with that many people, like, holy shit. yeah all the shots on the webcast from behind the band looking out to the crowd 
uh, it looked like a full, I, I don't know what it looked like in there, but it looked full on the screen, which like mm-hmm. every time they would show Rick mid solo with people with their arms up, but then they'd show out to the lawn. I mean, I just got chills and I'm getting chills thinking about it because Mike, you just said it. Like I was at the Red Rock show out here. My first goose tape was an Albany fall 19 tape from some bar. You could hear individual people calling out songs. You knew on the tape the first time you heard it, that this band like has something that's more than a bar band. You don't know what it's going to be. You don't want to be hyperbolic. You don't want to, uh, you know, be unfair to the band's development and predict that they're going to go to certain places, but you knew that something big was going to come to this group. Yeah pandemic comes you know as you as you laid out mohegan all these big runs uh the trey stuff that happened all last year like there's been a lot of big moments to see them then with that many people in front of them um and it's them it's not a double bill this is their show everybody's showing up for their show on a single night it just it was unbelievable to see regardless of any notes of music to play that was played like just to see that happen for this band i felt so good Amazing. Colin, you got anything to add uh, to all this pre-show stuff? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the that show from Fall 19. That was one of the things I went to the show with my dad, and he was like, man, they've really come a long way from playing the Parish House and, and with Eggy uh, in, in 19. <laughs> right. And like, uh, we walked back out from we – were, we were in the balcony. We walked back out, and uh, just like the lawn was – pretty packed out and it was it was pretty amazing to see that um kind of slowly build up uh from when we got in pretty early so yeah it was pre-show was awesome and then yeah like kind of looking back at where they where gooses come from to to where they landed last night was was a really fun journey at least for for our crew yeah amazing i wanted to add that uh i didn't get a chance to head over but you know the Shakedown Street at Dead & Co. was bigger than the Washington or Warren County Fairs that I grew up going to. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was massive. Yeah. But I heard from a friend that there's some momentum building for Wisteria Lanes. Like, there's, something's happening. Like, I saw a friend, uh, a friend's little sister who had made some, like, custom silver goose, goose jewelry and was like, selling that in the parking lot like it looked like there were some vendors out there like i am uh you know the dead and co show you know i went to that sunday show a couple weeks ago it was almost bittersweet because you're like man is is there ever going to be a band that can pack out this parking lot you know with these vendors and i'm not well, as you said brian like i'm not trying to be like a or anything like that but you do kind of dream a little bit for the kids from connecticut like could they be yeah. Just hopefully, a little bit uh, of the pre-show. The pre-show is a big Hopefully, call. yes. Ho- hopefully, uh, Mike's connection comes back in uh, in a little bit. But let's dive into the show here. Let's start talking about the music. Uh, start off this first set, Silver Rising, California Magic, Animal. Great way to start the first set. Get the energy going. I love Silver Rising as an opener. I think the only other time it's open to show was 2-12-22, the Pittsburgh show. Um, also, fun fact, uh, Silver Rising um, has a 100% opener rate at shows that um, Jeff shouts me out at. So <laughs> that's a funny stat. Um, but the, the, these first three songs were fun. You know, crowd was going. And this was really just, I think the band was also taking it in, you know, getting settled in the bigger, in, in the really big room. Um, but taking a second to settle in, kind of, you know, no, no extended jamming right out of the gate. 
um, and just have a great time. Colin, what were your thoughts on these first three songs? Yeah, just a great start to the show and kind of like was a preview of just like that pure execution uh, mm-hmm. of, of the set list and really felt that uh, kind of like gradual build into animal uh, with, with uh, Silver Rising and California Magic and just kind of get everyone on board and, and ready for, for the night. So it was really solid start, uh, at least for those first three songs and a lot of fun. Amazing. Mike, what were your thoughts on these first three tunes? So uh, Silver Rising opener. Um, I gotta say, like, Upstate New York has a bit of a dot. No, I hope. His signal was, his signal was perfect know, until we went live. <laughs> that's, that's how this works. <laughs> uh, well, let, let's, let's throw it over to you here, Brian, uh, on these first three tunes. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a great way to start it. I mean, I, I was texting with a couple of buddies before the show started about what our predictions were for the show opener, and we kept uh, coming back to drive. We thought that that was ultimately going to be it. They hadn't played in a couple of shows. It's just got that like big rock uh, intro to it. Um, the thing I found interesting about Silver Rising was I remember uh, I think it was an interview that Rick and Peter did with Stephen Hyden about a year or so ago where they talked specifically about playing bigger rooms and playing ballads and how they were allowing the space in these bigger rooms to really um, give their ballads a ton of weight and a ton of space and that they felt that maybe some of these ballads didn't work as well in bars but were working as they leveled up into the next rooms. And so it felt kind of symbolic for me that they would open their biggest show ever and their first, you know, shed show like this with uh, a ballad and, you know, a ballad that obviously builds to a huge peak towards the back end of it, but a very mellow start. It's one of my favorite recent songs and um, they played it in the two hole here at um, uh, Red Rocks fit very nicely in that sort of manner where it's this huge open space. Let's just let Rick go off. Um, California magic. I love that song. That is, uh, you know, uh, that's like your little feet dead inspired goose song that just works really well in a summer shed with like people bobbing and weaving on the lawn and then animal. I felt like that was going to be played at some point. Um, I've got to imagine for those guys it was played similarly at uh, red rocks in a similar slot. It's the kind of song that just like it works really well as a rock song uh, mm. in, in a venue like this. But the one thing I kept noticing during animal was, Every time they had a shot of Ben, and I wonder if you could see this from your spot, Ryan, he would, he would look up every so often. He was so focused on, 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 you know, holding on the beat and you know what he was doing, but he would look up at the crowd and he just got this like shit eating grin that would spread across his face. And like my wife and I were sitting here watching our son was watching and we were just like laughing every time it happened. Cause you could tell he was just like in the middle of a song, in the middle of a groove, a really good animal, like stretched out, didn't go too wild, but like, you know, really good 18, 19 minute version. Mm. And he would just get these shots of, oh my God, there's 12,000 people out there. And he, in the moment was like, at least it looked from afar, realizing what was happening. And I loved when they came back in after the peak, Rick just kind of held out uh, you know, like the, he like restrained this one segment, got a little distorted, got a little weird, even as they went back in the animal groove. And you could just tell that they were comfortable. They were really excited, but they mm-hmm. weren't rushing through anything. It felt like there was a lot of patience being played throughout last night. Absolutely. Mike, let's see if, uh, if you're up now. <laughs> I'm back. I actually think, uh, the part with Colin, 
Collins driving north and driving south the same highway, so we losing, losing service at the beginning of the pod. That's where I was. So, uh, Silver Rising was great. As I was saying, there's like an upstate New York dialogue. I loved hearing uh, a new Goose fan asking his friend, like, saying, like, hey, this is a great song. What's it about? He said, bud, this is about a friggin' werewolf, bud. <laughs> and I really loved that. That, like, really spoke to me. I've always seen the band on the West Coast, so it was nice to feel that. Uh, California Magic, as a, you know, transplant out there, obviously. Oh. Every single person that was in, like, things of me will say, hey. We apologize for the technical difficulties. <laughs> it's that it's that upstate New York cell service. Um, well, hopefully we get him back uh, for the next part of the set. Um, well, let's let's move on here to Redbird uh, and SOS. Colin, start us off with these two. You know, first big jam of the night. Yeah, that Redbird just kind of took off, and uh, I think they had played that at the Glen's Fall show as well. Yeah. So at least the the folks in my group kind of they've probably only seen goose a handful of times but one of the other shows was blends falls so they were into it and yeah i think at the tail end of the red bird um it, it i w- wasn't sure if it was ending or where it was going but it just like kind of settled in and, and the jam was really really smooth uh mm-hmm. i think brian you had mentioned just like the patience i think we saw some of it there as well um and then yeah i mean i'll let you two kind of dive more into the redbird jam but yeah that was a highlight of the first set for sure um and kind of just like opened up the the floodgates for improv that we'd see later in the second set 100 percent. this redbird was so good you know they, they kind of took their time with the like the type one portion of the jam you know really explored that space and then it felt like it was fading out after that it was like great like cool 14 minute you know redbird whatever solid in the first set then they rick revived it uh and into this cool funky groove uh it was what really stuck out to me in this part in addition to peter's amazing vintage vibe and arpeggiator work what he was doing there was spuds on the popcorn snare it's that that smaller snare to the left of his hi-hat that has that punchier sound it was just cutting right through the mix and it sounded so good uh and it was just an amazing amazing groove um i i love this not sure what it was like from the couch brian it was great, man. I mean, I, 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 it was one of those jams I kept thinking, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of couch tour. I've got small kids and webcasting is a huge way for me to just stay up to date on live music. And you but don't leave certain- the state of Colorado. I just refuse to. It's 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 never going to happen. Um, no, but uh, you know there are certain jams that like will hit really hard at home and they'll hit really hard in the venue and like it's just a really good jam. There are certain moments though in that Redbird, I kind of was thinking about it. Like you need the echo off the ceiling. You need the echo. You know the way that it like spreads out through the lawn and like there's there's space at that point in time. So I was I was pretty jealous of everyone who was getting that live in the moment. I feel like the um, the thatch that we'll get to in set two also probably had that sort of sentiment. We're just it, it adds a layer of creepiness it adds a layer of uh tension when a jam like that is being played in the moment right there in a room but from the couch i thought it was beautiful the the back half of um redbird kind of went into that like eminence type jamming that i've been hearing yeah. throughout the year um 
it, you know, it's, it's like, they're just playing around with that song and refuse to play it again, which I kind of like them teasing us on that. I would, I would love to hear Eminence front again, but, um, the fact that like they're using that sort of synthy, uh, type of vibe, um, Rick gets a chance to like riff in a really intentional, clear way, that small snare that you're talking about from Ben, like there's just, it allows Jeff a ton of opportunity to really showcase what he's adding to the band. And like over the last year, like how much uh, more pronounced his drums are and his percussion is throughout their jamming. Um, I love that kind of quiet, mellow space that they've been finding throughout the, the spring and early summer of this year. And I felt like it just, for them to be able to play, like you mentioned, Ryan, a really, really inspired and beautiful 14-minute Redbird, all based around the theme, they could have ended it there. Like, I don't think anybody would have faulted them in any sort of way, but then to add something else onto it and really just showcase what this band does really well is they're building a road while they're walking on it musically. It it hit hard. I loved it. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was big into the Redbird. Um, and I last thing just because like i'm thinking about it uh from when i re-listened this morning Mm -hmm. there there was a moment where and i felt like the mix was really good on this from the from the couch you could hear the crowd and i've got to imagine part of it was you all were loud as hell which i totally understand but there was a moment where they went into that second jam where you just heard this like churn of cheers throughout like this swell that Again, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. That is when Fish plays an amphitheater and they go into a jam and you hear 20,000 people, 12,000 people, whatever it may be, cheer like that. It just, in fact, it's it's the reason why you keep going back. And you got that with Goose. And it was a very different sound from Goose playing a small theater or playing, you know, a big uh, club. It was was the type of stuff that I feel like over the next couple of years we're going to hear a lot. Awesome. All right, let's let's give Mike uh, another attempt here. I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be pulling over in Saratoga Springs. Actually, might as well oh, go back yeah. to the scene of the crime. Just just because there's better service down this way. But um, I I'm not going to lie. So I, having seen a lot of different shows at SPAC, I I sort of had a question like, what's this set list going to look like? Yeah. One time, sometimes what bands do is uh, based on just the sheer size of it. You know, Goose has played uh, some late night shows, like they've had, like Hunger Sight's been played on the radio quite a bit. You know, 102.7 EQX, like it's kind of playing Hunger Sight a little too much, maybe. Um, <laughs> and, and so I'm like, oh man, are they just going to like straight up play the quote, like more general, like hits, if you will? And I feel like as soon as I heard them go into like that deep, you know, 20 minute animal uh, into a 20 minute Redbird into like an almost 16 minute SOS, I was like, dude, these guys know exactly where they are. They know what crowd this is. Like they they were playing to like as Brian Lutero, like in you know, that like 90s fish crowd that still lives in Saratoga and has not seen, you know, that type of new band come in and uh the animal was absolutely insane i feel like i was watching the lawn like shake um crazy thing it's back is that upper deck is known to like rock a little bit sway a little bit and this was my first time ever sitting directly underneath it 
And so <laughs> it is different vibe. When you're up on top, you're like, hell yeah, we're swinging this whole building. When you're below it, you're like, Jesus Christ, we're swinging this whole building. Like, um, <laughs> you know, it was, it was really great. Uh, Redbird is just, you know, as you guys alluded to, like that Glens Falls uh, Civic Center, as it used to be called, Cool Insurance Arena, like that was a great Redbird. Um, and I just felt like that was, again, the, the first set was, and by my opinion, pretty perfect. Um, I felt like, you know, going in to that set break, I just saw, like, people were, like, sweating and, like, kind of, like, delirious. Like, the line for water, one cool thing at you know, Saratoga is they're known for their spring water, and, like, they have all these great spots where you can fill up your water bottle, you're allowed to bring these water bottles. The line for water was arguably longer than the line for, like, cocktails and beer. Because people were just like, I gotta. They will, dude. Also, Ryan, people, you could just tell. They're like, I gotta hydrate. Like, I'm in for it. Like, yeah. I felt I. I that was a really cool experience. You know, rounding out that that first set. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, completely impressed. And I guess I should say I'm not surprised that the band blows me away every time I see them. But um, I was actually pretty surprised that they they just they knew the venue they picked the perfect set list yeah um, it worked great i know you're a little bummed that you didn't get your movie well uh, you know think things have to get cut and all things considered last night you know i, I can't complain um but you know moby is due and it will make its return someday and hopefully i will be there um, um berta gave me the set list last yeah night. i don't know i think that's that's, been... that's the only thing that got cut from the first set uh and then i've uh, got drive from the second. drive and, and uh west and western yes and, kind of and channel well. encore uh but let's yeah. let's talk about set break here a little bit you know we can't we go into set break with this amazing sos closer which is such an like one of the best set closers in the goose catalog i i love this song live so much i was so excited when it started uh but set break you know went around said hi to some people saw neil uh you know good friends brendan and becca um I'm missing other people that we saw, uh, and I apologize if I'm forgetting to mention you. Um, but uh, it was just like, again, more of that family vibe. Like it's like everyone's here, you know. Like people are people are so excited. Like what a first set. Really looking forward to the second set. Um, you know, I do want to shout out uh, Dean Novin uh, or Dean, who is uh, Goose the Band trivia. Uh, he made clav tweet pins, um, and I, I handed them out to a bunch of people. Uh, last night, which was really uh, exciting. Uh, I loved uh, being able to do that. Um, so thank you, Dean. Uh, very kind of you. Um, but set break was fun. You know, vibes were really high going into the second set. Really excited. Um, but, you know, before we dive into the second set, Colin, how were you feeling at set break last night? Good. Uh, so I think at that point, Coach had come out with his, uh, with his oh, with Bodie, son as yeah. well. Yeah, and and was like interacting with the fans, and that was cool. And then at that point, I think I noticed the like the modified American flag, and was like, "Where's where have I seen that before?" And that was kind of off side stage, uh, but it was from that. Uh, it was the same flag from the Vasudo uh, mm-hmm. house video, um, and that I was like, "Man, yeah, this is really cool." Like the the night just kept getting more special, uh, and seeing stuff like that, and kind of brought back like ryan when you're talking about it, feeling more like a family and just like a really really like giant gathering um yeah, yeah. so that was set break was really cool to like acknowledge that kind of stuff 
Yeah. Th- thanks for uh, bringing up the coach thing. I, you know, I, I, I wanted to mention that, like, you know, I was kind of far up uh, in the pavilion when that happened, but I saw, you know, I think my, my dad pointed out like, you know, co- or someone pointed out uh, coaches on stage with, with, you know, with, with Bodie and I looked over and, you know, it was kind of far away, but I could just feel the joy that coach had in that moment, you know, like goose is playing SPAC. Here he is with, you know, with his son, you know, like on stage at set break, like just such an exciting moment. And yeah, I noticed that flag uh, early on uh, in the first set. And I was like, oh, like, I know, I know exactly where that thing is from. Like, you know, that's in the background uh, of the Vasudo video. Uh, if anyone is curious what video we're talking about, um, there's video from 7-7-2013, the last time Vasudo ever played, uh, which was a fish after party at SPAC. Um, so pretty crazy oh. that a decade to the day, Goose, you know, played their first show at SPAC. And so there's a, you know, there was like a modified American flag in the background of that one. Uh, and coach had it hanging on video world uh, last night, which is just, I mean, incredibly special for all of them. Mike, how were you feeling at set break last night? Feeling really good. Um, left, um, left my seats, went up to the lawn, just to kind of get a vibe check of mm-hmm. like how many, it feels like a million people are here. How many people are actually here? And was really impressed that people were trying to not lose their spot, you know, on the lawn. So, you know, everyone kind of brings a blanket that's sort of safe and home base and you like leave all your stuff there. And, uh, ran into uh, Ben, one of the managers of Goose, um, mm-hmm. 11, said what up to him. Um, very cool. He's like, oh, yeah, you're the dude from the Warfield. I was like, wow, that's good memory, man. So right <laughs> yeah. on for, for Ben. But um, no, it, it was great. I mean, again, I can't help but put it in personal terms. It just felt super personal for me to run into friends from college that I haven't seen in 15, 16 years. You know, I heard Brian saying, like, he has young kids. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So I'm not exactly following this band around, you know, like you are, Ryan. But very cool to, like, share a band that I discovered living in California, you know, in my hometown with some old friends. That was very, very cool to see that even though we hadn't been in touch, we'd sort of, you know, kept pace with our musical takes. And, you know, we saw a lot of Umphrey shows together back in the day. And very cool to see them. And then going into the second set, I think my father-in-law texted me. He's like, he's got to blow this place apart. It's done. So Here we go. Yeah. He's a, he's a good hype, hype man for the band. Love it. Love it. Brian, do you have any thoughts? I mean, and you know, couch tour set break is different than being at the show set break, but how are you feeling at set break? I mean, that was good. I, I loved the first set. I felt, um, you know, we've talked about these like level up shows that the band has had over the last year. I feel, you know, I, I jumped on in 2019. So like, I don't have the, you know, I wasn't seeing them at festivals in, in the mm-hmm. mid 2010s, but you know, there's a sense of, I don't want to say ownership, but there's a sense of like, you, you feel uh, there's a lot of emotions about, you know, discovering a band at that stage and then seeing them have these levels of success. And I remember webcasting here, the radio city shows and like feeling a great deal of stress when Trey walked out on stage. Like, I hope everything goes right. This is a lot of eyes. There's a lot going on here. I remember at Red Rocks last year it was one of the, it was, I've been to Red Rocks 
countless times. It was the most electric pre-show feeling I've ever had at a Red Rock show. Um, and there were a lot of people there clearly seeing Goose for the first time. Uh, this weekend, two years ago, I saw my first Goose shows, um, the Sculpture Park shows here in Denver, which I believe uh, the first night was at the time their biggest show. And yes. then they released a bunch of tickets and it was their next biggest show. And, you know, at all these steps of the process, it's always felt like, I just, I really hope that I, I want the best for this band. I know whatever that means. And this was the first time where it just felt like they, and it might be because you guys are talking about how many people had been there who'd been to multiple goose shows and have mm-hmm. been a part of this for years now. It felt like they owned the room and yeah. it felt like they came across on the webcast. So I don't know, man, I threw the baseball around with my son in the backyard, listening to some, to some music and, uh, then heard the cheer come back on and raced over to see what they were going to open up with only to get, um, and I don't want to get us too deep in a set too, but I just want to give our host here a proper shout out after he got his amazing shout out at Thank you. his fair band, <laughs> you know, at, at Goose's biggest show. I just like, again, I don't want to compare, but if you go back to early nineties fish shows, there are moments where they're shouting out their friends and they're shouting out people who are very important to the band at that point in time. And as someone who considers you a good friend who loves podcasting with you, collaborating with you to hear you get a shout out going into the second set of the show, uh, it just filled like, like to not be there, but to like still get those moments, incredibly special stuff. So, um, Thank you, Brian. It, all, it was all good vibes. Thank yeah, you, Brian. So <clears throat> Ryan was also at dead and co. So between yes. Dead & Co. and a first set of Goose, I had three sets to introduce Ryan as the newest contributor to Mountain Gazette. And everyone's <laughs> like, wow, this is sick. We can't, he's like the almost famous kid. This is great. This is great. This is great. <laughs> so then when he gets the shout out, I'm not going to lie, Jeff made me look really good because I had just introduced Storm to like 50 of my friends. They're like, holy crap, he is the almost famous kid. You know, and like I found that to be really great john our art director's like dude where is this kid gonna be in 20 years so that was a good still seeing goose yeah Um, yeah yeah yeah, man it was it was really cool brian your point about it felt like they were ready for the room and that you know there wasn't like there weren't like growing pains going in you know again another thing i talked about in uh, my written piece about last night was my first goose show was goosemas at mohegan uh Mm -hmm. and that felt like you know again a lot of people's first show um, kind of a, you know, are they going to pull off the arena sound? Are they going to pull off playing in an arena? Last night didn't feel like that, as, as I mentioned before. Last night felt like they came on stage, they were ready. And also, I think the band, they're more familiar with SPAC as a venue than they were somewhere like Red Rocks, um, you know, playing there for the first time. You know, growing up, seeing shows at SPAC, so many different shows at SPAC, um, you know, and then being on the stage, there's a lot less of, you know, I guess, I guess a learning curve uh, or, or growing pains again, like, you know, making that switch than there is like going to Colorado or, you know, playing the Greek in LA where it's like, you know, maybe they've never been to that venue before, but all of them had been to SPAC uh, yeah. and all of them had seen shows at SPAC. And so there's a lot more of a sense of familiarity for them uh, as people, which also I think helps open up the show a little more and open up the music. You know, they're, totally. they're taking a huge step up venue wise, but the music came naturally because of that sense of we know our way around this place. You know, this is not new territory. It's like for a band, but as people, you know, we know SPAC. They can handle SPAC. Yeah. 
You got anything to add before? No, I, just, I, I, I think that's a good point. I think that also like it, 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 it speaks to um, how big 2022 was for the band and how, you know, their, their gear seems to be on a, on a stronger side. They're, 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 the, the crew seems to know how to play to these rooms as well. So it feels, it felt less like, can they do this? And this is not where they belong. And right. it, it started me thinking like, Oh my God, all these venues across America that goose is going to start playing at it. Uh, it just, it's crazy. Yeah. So let, let's talk about this Empress here. You know, this is a song that we can see in that Vasudo video from 2013. Uh, you know, we see Rick, Trevor, Jeff, and Matt Campbell just ripping on Empress, um, which is pretty cool. Matt was there last night, too. Absolutely uh, amazing guy. Shout out to Matt's dad, uh, who is an avid listener of the pod, uh, which was really amazing to learn. Um, but this Empress comes out of the gate hot, you know, amazing way to open set too you know as soon as it started i was like oh yeah i why didn't i pick this on fantasy like that was, that was dumb. <laughs> obviously they were going to play empress at this show um but it, it was amazing you know they they rick seemed to have picked up a couple of things on empress from playing it with jake uh last weekend um but they just they went for it straight into this amazing minor key groove that just got darker and darker and darker like i mean it, it it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, let's start with you on this one, Mike. What were you thinking about this this Empress? Mike, are you there? I'm here. Uh, I, you know, man. I so I got to say, Ryan. One of the fun parts about following you on social media is that you do put things in in context, and like I love that the pseudo callback, like. I, man, I, I just think one of the things that makes this band special, and I know we've, we're kind of beating a dead horse here, but like they really do know how to like meet the moment and like make a few people feel really special around them. And then that makes it just like it grows, it grows, it grows. I thought the Empress, it was a perfect opener. Um, and I think the, the funny thing is it went into the, the David Gray cover. Yeah, which please. I've really been enjoying, and also like, I'm pretty sure David Gray like opened up for for John Mayer at SPAC, and I think like, yeah, dude, like I'm pretty like I was like, damn, this Scott like, Layers. <laughs> it, I, I was just like, damn, these guys like they know what's up here, and like Rick afterwards, and he's like, oh yeah, dude, he's like David Gray's quite SPAC. I was like, you gotta be kidding me, dude. Like, how did you? How did you get this? They do. They do their research. I love it. They do. It. They do their research, and I mean, I've, I've watched them, you know, in Tahoe, like build out with the spreadsheet, like how they're gonna pick things, and like it is not haphazard. It's pretty thoughtful. They're like texting it to each other. They have a group text, and they're just like sharing, kind of like, "Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this?" And I, I just, again, you know, playing music is one thing, but performing it and just understanding the vibe is a whole other thing. So yeah, I just, I really loved it. I thought it was a great second set opener. Awesome. Colin over to you. Yeah. Uh, just a great, a great way to open the second set and then the gradual build to the, the darkness or the darker jam. Uh, just like my buddy wanting who I went to, the sh who was also in our group, just like it blew his mind. He's like, I, he, he hasn't really listened to that much, uh, dark dark goose right uh, but he was just yeah like his mind was just blown by them kind of adventuring into the 
the darker jams and how that's that has added a different element to their improvisation. Um, so it's really cool to see that uh, and then have that just drop back into the brightness of the the outro uh, section of the of the song. So mm-hmm. it was like this being able to look around the venue and, and just see everyone kind of just like singing along and doing uh, the clapping. And, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that uh, I think Mike had mentioned before, like the you could really feel the balcony bouncing at that point, which was really cool. It just added to the to the moment, uh, and, and it was really special for for that song specifically to open the second set. So it was it, it started kind of just like the, the second set was was near perfect in terms of like I know we'll talk about some of these songs, but it was like jam, kind of like ballad jam ballad, which would just was like. Yeah they they nailed that definitely and yeah i mean th- that moment you know when peter turns to the crowd and you know put his hands above his head like for the chorus like i mean just just the energy and i was looking around as everyone was clapping and i was like like again like you know at the beginning of the show i had the same thing but it was like holy shit like this many people are here for goose like this is unbelievable <laughs> so cool well, and they know what happens at that point in the song. Exactly. Like it's not just 12,000 people, people, people weren't that surprised to at be the there. crowd participation. Yeah. 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 Empress is, um, I'm really loving it in a second set opening slot. It, it, it tends to feel to me like a, uh, like kind of the perfect set closer, but I mm-hmm. really like it in that slot because it is just like, you're immediately in it. Those, those chords hit, you're just, you're right there. Um, it's a special song for me. Uh, it, it was the song that like, I, I tried for maybe 18 months to get my wife to really jump on board with me with goose. I was like, we, we met because of fish. We've loved fish for, you know, 25 years as a yeah. couple. Um, and I was just like, this is, this is real. Like this is the, I, I'm not just like getting into another band. Like this is the real thing. And it took a while. She had a question. She had her like, well, I don't want another band. I've got my band. What's going on here? And then she heard Empress and she was like, if a band can write a song like this with this sort of sentiment and like make me just smile the whole time, like I, I'm, I'm in. And now we're, you know, going to shows together and stuff. So like hearing that open that set, again, fit the moment, fit the vibe. I really loved, um, you know, it's there. that's Trevor's showcase. He gets that moment to everyone else quiets down. And, you know, the, the unspoken bassist in sunglasses who, um, you know, looks like the coolest guy in the room when he's hanging out there, gets like his moment to completely shine. Everybody goes crazy. Then you get, you know, Peter clapping with everyone and the jam, these new dark jams that they've been going to it reminded me to an extent of the Eugene version from earlier this year. That is yeah. one of my favorite jams of, of uh, 2023 so far. And just hearing a song like Empress that could be played completely straight and hit really, really hard to hear it have that space, to hear it continue to jam. It gives you the sense of like how far has Goose come, but how much further can they go uh, from a musical standpoint? Far. Because they're <laughs> still, yeah, they're still like figuring out what's inside of these songs and what parts can be broken apart and what parts can be experimented on and stretched out. And you could hear that happening last night across a number of really big songs. Yeah. Very well put. Then we get, please forgive me, as Mike mentioned, uh, you know, David Gray cover. I thought it was interesting, uh, you know, as, as the one cover that they played in the show, you know, Shamo was on the set list for the encore. Um, but as the one cover they chose to play last night, I, I was curious uh, why it was, please forgive me. 
Um, but you know, I guess now that, you know, Mike gave the background on David Gray playing back and you know, that that was on the band's radar, then, you know, it makes sense now. Uh, but then we get thatch, which obviously we all should have seen coming, you know, it doesn't matter that they only played it a few shows ago. Like this is thatch. They're playing it's back. We're going to get a thatch. Um, and Oh boy, what a thatch this was. Clav tweets were happening. People they, <laughs> they happened multiple times in this jam. Um, Peter was the star of the show here, you know, in addition to obviously Jeff who just crushes every single version of Thatch. Um, but that what Peter was doing, um, you know, initially like, you know, they get into this really low key funk groove, kind of like the Warfield version. Um, but then they take it in, in this major key direction. Thanks to Peter. Uh, he kind of modulates it like that. And then just they, they built from there. And it was, it was amazing. Like I, I was, you know, I, I, I actually, my, my leg, I, I kind of injured my leg a little bit during Thatch, just like dancing and jumping so much. Um, so, you know, it, it was it was that good. Um, but uh, start us off on this, Colin. Yeah, you called out Jeff and, and Peter, but uh, Trevor, uh, at least in the balcony, sounded so good. It, it, he was like turned up like perfectly. Uh, and, and what he was, I think he was like, he had started out with a, kind of the slap groove and then like had that, then eventually like back to the, back to the normal playing, but man, he sounded so, so good um, throughout this one. But yeah, I mean, Peter, Peter was a, uh, was a highlight as well, but, and that, that, that was huge. And I think that was that the tequila tease, uh, yes. the song that had the tequila tease in it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that was, you could just feel it in the crowd, like people picking up on it and, and, and it was really cool to kind of have that layered in there as well. Yeah. Um, amazing. Mike, what did you think of the thatch? Um, got to see thatch the Warfield. Uh, was bummed. I missed the debut of thatch in Glens Falls. Uh, just a short drive up the Adirondack Northway. And uh, as they started playing the opening riff, John Coleman, our art director from Mount Gazette, looked over at me and he goes, I think it's official. Thatch is an upstate New York anthem. Like, this is our song. This is our song. Like, we're always going to get this every year they play here. And I mean, it just, that, similar to the shows, you're getting similar. Yeah. I mean, similar to Animal in the first set, like, every part of that crowd was losing their mind, like, and just, I do think the nice thing about Thatch, as you guys mentioned, is like Trevor and um, I like that comment. That should be the American national anthem, to be honest. I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I'd love to play a 20 minute Thatch before a baseball game. That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, Keep standing. Yeah, do you really? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I think that, um, man, they just like, for people that have not seen the band, on a song like Thatch, like that is where you see, like, it's not just Rick's band. It's not just Peter. Like you realize there's three other members of the band and they are all very effing talented. And I think that is like a, a nice turning point for new goose fans, in my opinion. Cause I, I, I remember when I kind of was turned on to the rest of the band was like, damn, these guys play really well together, but like individually they can all shine on their Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, no, the fashion is amazing. Just right. such, it's just such a good riff. And I guess the last thing I'll say is like, this band is about to have 
an even more massive catalog than they already have. Like, I can't believe just how many songs, you know, Rick and Matt are able to crank out. Peter's able to crank out. Like, the fact that, like, I mean, Batch isn't even a year old. We're talking about, like, what's the right. best Batch? And it's, like, kind of hard to pick. Uh, I find that yeah. just to be so impressive. You don't really see that with many other things. Yeah, and I, I'm back in the 50% club uh, for Thatch after last night, so I've seen 10 <laughs> of the 20 versions that have been played so far. <laughs> Brian, yeah, what are your I thoughts mean, on this? Oh, I mean, I, I think first and foremost, um, you know, the two songs I was most shocked were not played last night were Drive and Wisteria. They felt like um, just kind of gimmies uh, for me based on the venue, based on the setting, um, based on, you know, the significance of the show. But And I... I, I kind of figured when please forgive me was winding down that we were about to get a wisteria it just felt like the right you know slot for that and then they go into thatch and it reminded me of something that mike's talking about about this like evolving and growing catalog that you have a song like thatch that like i still remember the first version of that being like the hell that just was written that just debuted what is going on what is this song (laughs) yeah like i was just you know in a band that like one of the things that originally attracted me to goose was that they wrote um, you know, songs that felt like something the national would have written or spoon would have written or a bunch of indie rock bands I love, but then they jammed them for 18 to 26 minutes. And you got this sense of this is what heartland indie rock sounds like if it's jammed out and like that, that hits me exactly where my musical zone was when I was listening, when I was first discovering goose thatch sounds like um goose writing almost like a king crimson type of song like it has that prog rock type of feel it's very evil um it's got a lot of arrogance to it i don't think that you can play a song with a riff like that with lyrics like that if you're not a little bit arrogant and if you're not a little bit arrogant like you're not going to own 12 20 000 people in an evening like you kind of just have to have that in your soul and it's really cool to see that unleashed by this band um the version though like I love the summer camp version. I love the Warfield version. Um, This one, the thing that really drew me to it, and I'm going to continue going back and listening to it to try to like understand it more, but there's a democratic jamming approach to it. Like when they get, it it happened in the Redbird too. When they get quiet and they're not, nobody is, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like goose is really good at peaking a jam really really good that is one of the best things that they can do and that is a lot harder than it sounds there's a lot of bands that try to do the tension and release thing and don't hit it with the power that goose does a lot of that to your point ryan comes down to the rhythm section like you said it this is not just a two person band thing this is a five person band um but when when a band gets really quiet and they're still completely locked in that's when things get really special for me and you heard that in that middle section of thatch to go into tequila and to not just make that become then a song we're segueing into like that is a se- you know a section and then is going to lead to another section where we kind of dement and distort this idea um it was just it was a thrilling jam and um you know to have that be kind of the centerpiece to the second set was really cool seeing as that's a song that's just over 6 months old at this point in time i mean just yeah. unreal Really, really crazy, you know, how, how good this song is every single time it's played. Um, oh, Thatch. Then the second set closes uh, with This Old Sea into Dripfield. Uh, I was so excited about This Old Sea. Last night was show number 36, and it was my first This Old Sea uh, that I have ever seen. Uh, and so I was, like, over the moon uh, about it. Um, and, you know, 
lack of jam, whatever. It was it was beautiful, and I was really really happy about that. My most common not seen is now loose ends uh, in terms of goose originals. Um, but I mean, I was just I was so happy. And That's then one they'll tease for you and then not play. Exactly. I've gotten multiple loose ends teases. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> eventually I'll get it. Um, but Dripfield uh, was just, I mean, it, it was Dripfield. It was amazing. Uh, you know, you the first time I heard Dripfield uh, was at my first show debuting at Mohegan Sun. And it was like, this song was made for the big rooms, right? They, the, the, the way that the drums hit in Dripfield, Ben and Jeff just like going at it with each other, like just amazing. And last night they did it again in an outdoor shed, you know, it was just, the energy was incredible. Um, they were crushing it. The only time Peter played guitar all night was during drip field. Um, you know, so we got some great two guitar goose action there. Um, and I mean, it was just an incredible, incredible way to end the set. You know, it, the way it was mentioned earlier as well with the, you know, jam ballad, jam ballad, jam, uh, kind of trend, uh, in the second set. Uh, but there we go. We got him back. Let's throw it over to you, Colin here. This old C drip field. Oh man, this old C. Uh, so glad that came back in uh, in 2020. Always happy to see that pop up in in any set. And uh, heard that during sound check and got super stoked uh, for for that to be played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Dripfield, um, man, just cool, but kind of the perfect way to end the set. Uh, and then leaving the drone uh, sound there as well. So again, this perfect execution of that second set uh and i I don't i think they might have cut a few songs but the flow and song choice were just spot on for for the moment uh and there were some really good audibles there so so props to the band awesome mike your thoughts on c drip so one of the things that spack has been doing the last couple years is selling a 199 season pass to the lawn yeah you can go see anything and uh I think, you know, I know we talked about, you know, the top of the show, you know, like some shorter versions. Um, this old C coming in just under six minutes. Um, again, I'm going to point to the band and say, like, well done. That's knowing that there are some people in that crowd who have season passes to the lawn and probably needed a break after that <laughs> match. And it's nice to hand, you know, give people a breather. I thought that was great. Um, never seen a drip field. At a goose show, so was very very happy. Um, such a complex, complicated track, like just absolutely love it. And like, I feel like it kind of shows like the technicality of the band a little bit. Um, we I can't believe we haven't spoken about this. We're we're almost an hour in, but the lights were like just oh yeah, Yeti. Nuts. When they when they started, I mean, you know, it was it had the sun hadn't set. It just rained a little bit. Um, and man, like as soon as it went dark, the the lights went absolutely crazy. I heard almost as many people speaking about the light show. Um, back in our section, we were in section eight. Um, man, there were some old school fish fans that had brought maybe ten thousand glow sticks, and the glow sticks were getting chucked all around, like forwards, backwards, left, right. Like at one point, someone handed me fifty glow sticks, and I thought I played baseball, why not? And just fired them up hoping that I could send them a hundred yards towards Ryan storm, but didn't hit him. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, drip field. I mean, that, that was it. I mean, at that point, I know it sounds funny when we know there's an encore coming, but you're like, wow, I could walk out now 
as some people tend to do at SPAC, but I didn't see very many people, you know, leaving. It's quite a difficult venue to get out of if you're trying to get out of there quickly. Mm-hmm. And I usually people start, they're like, okay, this is it. I mean, no one left during Driftfield. Right. Very few people, you know, and I just found that to be, again, a testament to how well the band had captured the audience that night. Yeah, Getty was also grown in a lab by the jam band Illuminati. Thank you, uh, Andrew <laughs> Duddy, for that. Brian, what's your what's your uh, take on the end of the second set here? Uh, well, I mean, I'll just add to the lights because I, I was I was sure I was really surprised. I mean, they've they're always great, but like the band has played so many uh, different size venues throughout the years so far. You know, you think yeah. about like the um, uh, the Athens show where it was like all really like condensed and confined. Uh, I feel like the Bozeman shows, um, Eugene uh, and Boise venue. as well, under Eugene and Boise, yeah. And then you know we've had um, you know bigger size rooms where like it seems like the rig, it seems like the stage setup is all kind of geared towards that three to five thousand person uh, uh uh venue right now everything seemed expanded um uh, here and the lights rather than um you know being underwhelming were the exact opposite it was like he always was meant to do lights in a room like that and <clears throat> it was one of my biggest takeaways when i saw them two years ago uh this weekend out here was I really wondered going into the show, is Goose going to be able to fill up this space? Is the production going to be able to match, you know, what that sculpture park field looks like you're at a mini festival type of setting? Are they going to be able to match that? And the lights completely did that. And I think to Colin and Mike's points, like Drip Field is the perfect song to play in that setting, in that slot. Um, it's the only aspect of the Red Rock show that I still kind of curse is that it's on the set list. <laughs> and somehow they didn't play Drip Field there. I, I, I would get it four Maybe months later here at Goosemas. Yeah, I, I I would imagine it's going to be played out here in October over two nights. But um, I don't know, just uh, just amazing. And then for them to walk off the stage, um, and you know, immediately sharing texts with friends of okay, they've got like twenty five minutes until curfew. We're getting something big. I was thinking either Elmig or I was thinking Factory Fiction. Yeah, obviously we got the latter. Um, but yeah, just. This old C, very, very impactful early ballad to hear from this band. Um, Ryan, you and I have talked about, you know, certain Goose songs um, not needing to be 20, 25 minutes from time mm-hmm. to time. I think we would both agree this old C has provided some of our favorite jams over the last couple of years. Yes. But it is cool to hear that song just as an isolated ballad and just have all of the lyrics be the focus. And it's not, this is a pretty song that also leads to a jam. It's, this has a, uh, you know, aching, beautiful, longing sort of feeling to it. And that's the only thing that you're getting out of it. And that mm-hmm. that was pretty cool to get. Very, very well put, as always. And yeah, your point about going into the encore, you know, it was either going to be Elmeg or Factory Fiction. At this point in the show, I was like, it has to be Factory Fiction. Like, soundcheck notwithstanding, it's like, you know, the Vesudo thing. You know, Factory Fiction is a Vesudo song. Uh, you know, Matt Campbell played it with them at Fred Fest in 2021. Uh, and it's like, yeah, like, that's going to be the encore. And they came out for it. You know, Rick hit that first that first like grimy chord, you know, and everyone just like cheered, like, you know, it was an immediate, uh, immediate recognition from the crowd, immediate burst of energy. And people were just so excited. They also did something really unique with the jam, uh, you know, that they, they haven't done before kind of getting to the end of the song. They like slowed it down and then kind of restarted going into the jam, which again, I mentioned, you know, Ben driving jams earlier in the night, this was him. Like he just crushed into this, aggressive beat 
you know, and it got dark. Uh, and it was like, it was awesome uh, the way this jam started. And then obviously built back up to the ending of Factory Fiction and just the, the end, uh, the energy right at the end of the show. You know, as, as you mentioned, Mike, you know, people tend to leave the show early, skip out on the encore, whatever, try to beat the traffic. It felt like not a single person left the building. Uh, you know, everybody was cheering on their feet as the band came to take a bow. You know, Getty put Goose up uh, in the lights over top of them, which was great. Uh, but man, like just, you know, the perfect, perfect encore pick. Uh, let's uh, throw it over to you here, uh, Colin. What would you think? Yeah, and, and Peter's speech kind of preceding the yes. the factory fiction was awesome oh, yeah. too. Like got the crowd all kind of like fired up and then went right into the rager that is uh that is factory fiction and then yeah i wasn't sure if 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 factory fiction wasn't wasn't going to continue uh there for a little bit and they kind of worked their way down to build it back up but yeah very unique and like the crowd was super super into it uh like the i think we talked about it before but like just cheering the jam cheering the lyrics like everyone was super engaged just fired up for for that uh for the special tune yeah. Mike, what about you for the encore? That encore was arms in the air, back arched, like folks screaming in the air. Uh, Spack has some really serious, like former principals, former cops that work as security guards now. That's where I ran a couple of my teachers. They were not messing with anyone. People were dancing in the aisles. It was totally fine. Um, I found that to be, again, like, capturing your audience including the security guards were like we couldn't stop this madness if we if we had to <laughs> um, and and again like that's just such it was such a unique um uh, brian i've been really taken by you know your thoughts about like could they fill this venue um i always forget how big that venue is every time mm. i always just assume it's a little smaller um than it is but it's not it's massive and that that was a full-on packed house house party ender. And I felt like almost like people were like satisfied and also just being like, dude, can this just go on for like 24 more hours? Like, let's just keep going. Yeah. Like, let's not leave, um, you know? I, I did hear that there was, uh, you know, quite a scene in the parking lot afterwards. Like, people hung out. They talked about the show. I ran into Navid. I mean, they sold out of most of their merch in the first hour of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. So there was nothing, nothing left. I mean, I saw Navid afterwards and was like, hey, man, like, I'm going to get a poster. He's like, dude, those things are super gone. <laughs> like, like, long gone. But yeah. I mean, that, it ended. And I think I probably looked out at my phone for the first time in like 20, 30 minutes and saw like, ton of texts from friends watching at home friends there and there's like holy shit i can't believe we're part of this like we got to watch this and, and that's kind of how i felt too it felt like a really good run it's um we're coming up on the one year anniversary of when i met the band and wrote about them for the first time and they were at a little venue in south lake Tahoe, small that played last year um and i got to spend a lot of time with not just the band but also coach and a lot of the folks that work behind the scenes and I couldn't help but when the show ended and like the applause kept going and they took their bow, like I didn't only feel good for the five goods on or five guys on stage. Like I felt great for like the coach, crew. you know, yeah. for for Sam King, who you know, tour manager, who's just always there. Like, uh, 
you know, their management group, like for their fans. Like, I just felt like this is cool that this, they nailed the, they, they were given the opportunity or given the moment. And now I'm left sort of wondering at the end of that show, is Goose going to be a staple of SPAC the way Dead and Company has been the last few years? You know, let's hope. Or, I would love, I to, I would love to go back to, to Goose at SPAC next year. I think that would be awesome. Uh, let's throw it over to you, Brian, here uh, for the encore. Uh, your take. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I mean, this band is so lucky to have someone like Peter as kind of the the, the faux front man of it because his his sentiments, his enthusiasm was so contagious and always is. But like, you know, him coming out and just being like, I got some things to say. And everybody starts yelling, you know, starts cheering because they know that when Peter speaks, like he's speaking from the heart. And to have him talk about, you know, a bunch of us have been up on that lawn seeing shows here, how special this was just, mm. you know, it, it got you really got the feels. Um, Factory Fiction is such a unique song in Goose, uh, Goose's catalog, because I think any other band would play that song every other night. It is one of their best songs. It is infectious in, you know, multiple moments, it jams. It's got this chorus that sounds like an earworm you've definitely heard before, but like, then you realize it's a original by the band. I mean, there's just so much to it. Um, and the band saves it for these really special moments. I've seen it twice. Um, it encored my favorite goose show I've seen to date, uh, night two of the mission back in 2021. And, um, that felt at the time, like a really big, uh, moment for the band closing out, uh, an incredibly strong tour selling out the mission on a Sunday and Monday night before a holiday weekend, um, mm -hmm. knowing that they would come back and they would be playing red rocks. Um, and then I saw it at Goosemiss last year and just every time it's played, it just takes over the entire room and to give themselves that amount of space to play one of their best songs in the encore and essentially give like a quasi third set to fans, you know, a lot of encores, they'll come out and play like a five, six, maybe 10 minute long song. Here we get 20 minutes with su substantial jamming, a new take on the song. Um, and then the bow at the end and the way that, you know, when the show shows up on Bandcamp the next morning, it's the shot from behind them of the entire crowd just to reemphasize like something really big happened here. And uh, this is going to be a show that, based on the way they played it, based on um, the setting. This is going to be documented by the band uh, going forward and documented by fans. And um, everything about that just uh, closed out really, really nicely. And I don't know, man, it's, uh, it's really wild to, um, you know, there's a lot of chatter about this band in the, in the world right now. We, we, yes. we we've heard it uh, all. We have it with our friends, both, you know, very positive vibes here on, on this call. We obviously, there's a lot of, of discourse around this band right now. What it comes down to is it's five dudes who seem to love each other, who seem to absolutely love playing music and their fans, dude, you could see it from the first 10 rows all the way back to the lawn. People just losing their minds like that. Just, I, I don't know how you could disagree with any of that or, you know, have it take any issue with that. It's, it's just a, an amazing thing to see it happen in real time. Yeah, amazing. Thank you, Brian. It's a perfect way uh, to end off our episode today. Thank you, Brian, Colin, and Mike for coming on this you know very long episode, uh, longer than some sets <laughs> that we've seen recently. Um, <laughs> but really amazing to talk about this really special night. You know, Goose plays again in uh, just under an hour uh, at Levitate. Uh, we do not have a lead on a stream as of right now, um, but you know, check out the uh, Always Almost There socials. Keep your eye out there. 
we will uh, share if we do get wind of a stream. And that brings us to the end of, uh, you know, Goose Summer Tour. They've got one more gig at the end of July at Newport Folk Fest. Um, but, you know, this is this is a hell of a way to finish off. You know, I know some of us have other bands uh, that we like to podcast about and follow that are starting a tour in a few days, uh, which Who? what? Yeah, no, no one else. Uh, <laughs> but thank you to uh, these two bands for coordinating and not really overlapping. Uh, thank, thank you so much. Guys. Much spring appreciated. Was really, spring was really hard for some of us. April, April in was a good tough. way. <laughs> yes, exactly. We were spoiled. Um, but thank you again, uh, you three gentlemen. It's been a pleasure talking about last night, you know, reliving the amazing, amazing experience with all of you. Um, travel safe, Colin and Mike. You know, Brian, enjoy the, the beautiful Colorado day. Can I just say one last time, Ryan yeah. Storm, where you at? <laughs> Thank you. <I'm> right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Thank you, dude. This was great. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having thanks, me. Ryan. Well, thank you, everybody, uh, so much for tuning into this episode of Always Almost There. Day after show, we'll be back uh, tomorrow. Uh, stream slash borfs slash guest pending, uh, but we will likely <laughs> we will likely be back tomorrow uh, at three thirty for our last day after show of the tour. And of course, there will be a very, very, very lengthy full tour recap episode coming at you at some point later this summer. Uh, so get excited for that. But Without further ado, uh, we're going to head out. I'm going to go take a shower um, because, you know, I got home right before the pod. And everybody, enjoy the rest of your weekend this afternoon. Enjoy the weather. Uh, you know, it's nice here. Hopefully it's nice where everybody is. Looks nice. Um, I'm rambling now, so I'm going to uh, end off the episode. Don't forget to follow Always Almost There at AAT Goose Pod. Let us know, you know, if we forgot to talk about your favorite part of last night, what your favorite part of last night was, and, uh, you know, your favorite parts of summer tour. Let's get that ball rolling, you know, as we, as we wrap up, but have a phenomenal weekend. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you tomorrow. Hello, and welcome to novel conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo. And for each episode of novel conversations, I talk to two readers about one book and together we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi. This is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.